We are continuing a series I've entitled for you, From the Ashes, From the Ashes. And we have been uh, uh, focusing in the month of May, making women of purpose. And then in June, as I mentioned to you on the onset of this sermon series, we would transition into making men of purpose. And as we have been dissecting uh, the book of Esther, we pray that uh, you will continue to tune in and focus in on what God is doing and saying through this exciting series, especially the guys, right? Don't check out in the month of May, but stay focused, stay tuned uh, so that God will continue to speak to your heart from the relevancy uh, of his word. So if we can all bow our heads and ask God to speak to our hearts today. Uh, Father, we thank you so much just for the opportunity again, just to uh, hear from you now, to just uh, be able to know without a shadow of doubt that you are with us today. So Spirit of the living God, please come and have your way as we search the scriptures and just learn from uh, what you have written so many uh, years ago uh, that is so applicable for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we're continuing in the book of Esther, and as I mentioned to you before, uh, ladies in particular, uh, I'm sure that when you look at the life of Esther and you look at your own life, there may be periods of times in your life that you may feel as though you're second best, that you may have had uh, to work through the bondages of, of life. Uh, you may also have to work through uh, family heritage, heritage issues. And then today we're going to learn how uh, it's important to work through the, the identity crisis that many of you or us or we can find ourselves in. Uh, and also, uh, we want to reiterate that uh, we want you to, uh, in this series, embrace your ashes, embrace those difficulties, uh, difficulties in life, embrace those, those historical times in your life that God can ultimately take uh, your history and make it uh, his story in your life. And when you do that, he begins to do amazing things in your life, not only in your life, but also for generations to come uh, through you. So again, in the life of Esther, uh, she has been our springboard, our platform to understand how uh, you can become a woman of purpose. Now, in this series, we've been focusing on two, if you would, uh, 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 if you were perspectives of, of this is that one, embrace the ashes, embrace those past issues that you have been maybe experiencing, but then you got to come to a period of time that you leave them behind and press forward to become the woman of God that he has called uh, you to be. Now, we have uh, coined a definition uh, from the ashes, and it means this. When God takes uh, all that you were, all that you are, all that you have, and begin to start the process in making you all that he desires and have designed for you to be. So let's go back again to the book of Esther, uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 for our first point. But as you turn there, as we embrace the ashes, remember last week we, we uh, identified two areas of ashes. The first was that we may uh, be uh, men and women, right, that inherit an unusual family heritage. Uh, but then we also discovered that even if your family heritage was intact, Okay, that maybe you have both mom and dad, but still in the context of having mom and dad, you can find yourself still in some uh, family heritage predicaments, right? Some issues of life that you have to work through. Like for me, uh, I was raised with both parents. I was raised also the last of eight. And being a baby of the family, there's always issues that you got to work through and overcome in your life that finds themselves 
in your life, in your marriage, in current relationships that you must begin to, uh, again, work through through the power of the Holy Spirit. But then we also uncovered that, uh, uh, that Esther had only, and it sounds uh, pretty, if you would, awkward or, 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 or dif different here, is that Esther only had God's favor to rely upon. So understand what I mean by that. Esther had no mom, no dad, which simply means that she could become this independent woman, this woman that says, I got this, I don't need anyone. But now she uh, has to rely solely on the favor of God in a climate, in a season, in a place that she is totally unfamiliar with, but only have the favor of God, the hand of God to trust in, right? But then today, we're going to look at the other uh, uh, form of ashes in Esther's life. And if you turn with me again to Esther chapter 2, we're going to be in verses uh, 10 and actually 11. It says this, uh, Esther did not make known her people, under, underline that, she did not make known her people or it says her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. So this is how I'm phrasing this part of the ash today, is that when we get to a point in our lives that, again, we may struggle with uh, family heritage, you know, embracing God's favor in our lives, that only, only thing we have on is God's intervention, right? That when we have uh, bondage issues that we're working with, second best issues that we're working with, we'll find ourselves many times with either walking through life with no identity or struggling with our identity or having the, a lack of identity. So here you find, again, Esther growing up without the freedom of identity. She had to somehow in the confines of Susa in a totally foreign land as a, as a person in exile to be a person that she could not even express her heritage. She could not even say, well, I'm from the Jewish culture, that I'm from the Jewish heritage. So she couldn't embrace it, says her people or even her kindred, because her, her cousin Mordecai said, no, you can't do that. But listen to what Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 exclaims to you about your identity. It says, before I formed you in the womb, it says, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you set you apart. It says, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So think about that. Be before you were born, God knew you. Before you were born, you were already set apart. You were already chosen to do an amazing work for God. So in other words, God is saying to you today that no matter what your family heritage is, no matter what you, the bondages you've ever experienced in your life, no matter uh, what identity crisis that you may be going through, God has handpicked you before the foundations of this world. But then there's another uh, a description, if you would, that God exclaims to you about your identity. Psalm 139, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, it says this. For you, were form, you formed my inward parts. You wrote me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it well. You hear that? I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it well. Listen, I, I want to encourage you today, who are, who's watching and who's listening uh, to the sounds of my voice today, is that you, you may, again, have an identity crisis. You may be struggling with who you are as a woman, as a person, you know, who you are as a wife, who you are as a mother. You need to know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
But listen, it is your responsibility to know it deep down in your soul. Does your soul know it well? Now understand what the scriptures are saying there is that that soul is that immaterial part of you, that place that no one sees but God, right? That, that, that hidden part of you that, that, that makes up your intellect, your emotions, your passions, your drive in life. Does that inward part of you know it well that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're handcrafted by God and God alone? Now, here's the best reminder of them all. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, God created man in his own image. Okay, it says in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's one of the best reminders that you need to know about your personal identity is that you're created in the image of God. That God has literally said that when he finished creating you, that it was very, very good, right? But then how does all of this manifest itself? Well, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who now lives within me. And this life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his very life for me. So, right? You see, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, this is when all of these uh, portions of Scripture that I read to you today that begins to transfer, uh, if you be transferred into your life, that it begins to be real, that your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. And that now this life that you now live, it's about Christ and him alone, right? And, and, and now you're worrying about pleasing God rather than pleasing yourself and trying to be uh, a woman pleaser or a man pleaser uh, to someone other than God himself. Christ lives in you and his life you now live. You live by faith in the son of God who loved you and gave his very life for you. So as you embrace your ashes, it is super important that God gives you a distinctively different identity that is found in Christ and Christ alone. And that this new identity can only be discovered, if you would, is when you ultimately embrace your, that part of your life, that sometimes that dark places in your life to realize, okay, God, I, I embrace it. It is a part of me. But God, can you cause this to be for my good? Amen? So now let's transition into leaving your ashes behind. Leaving your ashes behind as we continue and look at the life of Esther. Now, again, just to reiterate the definition of from the ashes, right? It's taking those, all that you were, right? All that you are, all that you have. Uh, and God begins to make something special uh, in you and through you that ultimately he is, he is designed for you to be. Taking who you were, who you are, what you have, and begins this wonderful process in making you exactly what he has designed you to be. Again, let's look at how you and I can leave the ashes and move towards the finish line of becoming exactly whom God wants you to be. Again, Esther uh, chapter 4 now. Esther chapter 4, and we're going to uh, uh, migrate through, if you would, verses 1 through about 14, and one other or a couple other uh, peripheral verses. Again, Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4, it says, um, beginning with verse number, let's say, 7. It says, uh, Mordecai told him all that, he, that happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. So again, here's the plot building up that, that uh, Haman wants to annihilate all of the Jews and destroy them and literally wipe them from the face of the earth, right? It says this, it says that um, Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasurer 
it says, for the destruction of the Jews. Verse 8, he also gave him a copy of the text of the edict. It says, which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her. So here, Mordecai is now ordering Esther, it says, to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. So here you find Esther transitioning into, again, leaving her ashes, moving forward in this one area. And one thing is super important, that God does not allow you to go through bondage. God doesn't allow you to go to uh, difficult family heritages. God doesn't allow you to go through identity crisis simply to say, okay, I've overcome and everyone else, uh, you're on your own. At the end of the day, the victory that you find in your personal identity in Christ is ultimately to make a difference. It is your responsibility to take in a culmination, if you would, uh, a presentation of your life to make an absolute difference in the life of others, in a, in a life of this world or within this world. Let's go deeper. Again, this verse 8, latter verse 8 uh, gives us our first, if you would, glimpse of how you can make a difference. At the end of the day, if you want to make a difference, you simply must make it up in your mind to go do it. Hear what he says. He says, go into the king and implore his favor. Listen, you can wake up every single day and have all these grandiose ideas and say how you can change the world and make a difference and start businesses and, and, and be a better person and, and change your life, change your diet, change all these different things. But at the end of the day, it is your responsibility to go do it. Go make the difference. But then if you skip down to verse 11, you get another description of how you can make a difference. It says this. It says, every day Mordecai walked back and forth, it says, in front of the court. Actually, let's back up to verse 10. It says, Esther did not make known her people or her kindred. Or it says, for Mordecai, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> chapter 4, it says this, okay, verse uh, number 10. It says, then Esther spoke to Hathach, ordered him to reply to Mordecai. This is all the king's servants and all the people of the king's providence. Now, uh, now know that, you, that for any man or woman who comes to the king, uh, to the inner court who is summoned, he has but one law, that he put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. So here you have is, is that the responsibility to first to do what? Go do it. Go make a difference. But then you have this, uh, if you would, transition in Esther's life or this scene, if you would, in Esther's life, is that Esther now must become a person who overcomes her fears, right? Most people are, get stuck and won't go do anything because of what? Fear, right? Fear of failure, fear of man. And it was clear that Esther could have been consumed by her fear, especially fear of the king or the fear of when I walk into to the king's presence uh, uninvited, that at the end of the day, Esther could have lost her life if she would have uh, walked into the king present and the, and the king, uh, if, if she would have overcome the king's edict as relates to walking in his presence unannounced, uh, uninvited. So again, we must become people who go, 
when God says go, if you're going to make a difference. But then as you're going, the, the, the challenge you always have is that you must overcome your fears. You got to overcome your fears anytime you're going what God says to go to make a difference. But then if you can skip, skip down again, Esther chapter 4, not 2, but Esther chapter 4, uh, verse 13, it says this. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that in the king's palace, it says, can escape any more than all the Jews. So it's almost like Mordecai is calling uh, his, his baby cousin out. In other words, she's, she's now in the king's palace, separate from her people, separate from the other Jews, right? And now she's living this plush, plush life, if you would, insulated and isolated from her people. And then Mordecai challenges her and says, listen, if you don't go and if you don't overcome your fears, Here's your challenge. Your challenge is your actions or your lack of actions will begin to affect everybody else. And I think that's super important as you, again, are seeking to make a difference. You must become a person who realize if I act or if I don't act. Okay, if God says don't act, you don't act because uh, it can ultimately be for the detriment or the benefit of someone else. But then there's times that God will say act, go, right? And if you don't go, it be to the benefit or the detriment of those around you that God wants you to bless. So there's a responsibility that Esther uh, is challenged with is that, you know what, if you don't go, it says, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape. So it affect them, but it also what would affect you. And that's super important to embrace when you are struggling with making the difference when God says it's time to make a difference. When it's time to make a difference and God is instructing you to make a difference, you got to realize that it will ultimately affect you and affect those people around you, especially those people that are connected to you. But then you look at verse 14. The first part of verse 14, verse 14 gives us uh, our fourth example of how you can make the difference. It says, it says, for if you remain silent at this time, that's the first part. So here's Esther's life again. You got to go do it. You got to go overcome your fears. You got to realize that if you don't go, you don't do, you don't obey what God says to do, there's going to be consequences for the actions. But then there's this also there's responsibility that, you know what, it is not the time right now to be silent. You, inevitably, when God tells you to go make a difference, he will always put you out there to be someone who's his oracle a spokesman of God, that it would be your responsibility to say something to as well as do something. Uh, so many times we think that we can fly under the radar and say, well, I'll just do but not say. Inevitably, if you're going to be a difference maker, God will always say you got to do something, but you have to also say something. Now, about, here's, the, here's the catch. So many people want to say something before they do something, Right. But I believe you see this sequential order in Esther's life. She, again, she had to go. She had to overcome her fears. She had to realize if she didn't go, there's consequences, right? But in these consequences, she realized that uh, what comes along with going and doing is I have to speak when God tells me to speak. So Esther had to overcome this fear to be vocal and to be that oracle of God. But if you turn back again to Esther chapter 4, Four, verse 14 again it says for if you remain silent at this time now here's our, our next point in this second part of verse 14 it says relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews 
from another place. Listen to what it says. It says it would arise from another place and you and your father's house will perish. So you have a couple of pieces in there that you need to, I, I believe, embrace is this, is that this opportunity is meant for you. So many times we find ourselves saying, well, you know, God is not for me. It's, it's for someone else. Well, now, God, I don't see myself doing that. Well, you know, God, am I really called to do that? Well, God, you know, well, she's better at it than I am. Well, you know, he's better at it, at it than I am. Well, maybe, God, you have the wrong person. And I must admit to you, before I really answer my call into ministry to make a difference in the lives of people, I thought the same thing. Well, you got the wrong person, God. No, you, you, me, be a pastor? What? No, no way. You got the wrong person, God. And listen, and I'm sure today there may be somebody who's watching today who is saying, you know what? God, you got the wrong person. But yet right now in the silence of your heart, in your soul, he's speaking to you saying, no, I've chosen you to make a difference. I've chosen you to risk it. I've chosen you to go. I've chosen you to overcome your fears. I've chosen you to be able to uh, speak for me. And I've chosen you and you alone. In other words, there's something that you and you alone must do. Do you realize there are uh, certain people that only you can reach. There are certain only uh, people that you can get a sit down in a conversation with. There's, there are people that only you can ultimately uh, be that tool that God uses to, to see transformation in their, in their lives. So again, it's your responsibility to, to come to that place and say, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I cannot remain silent. I must be that oracle of you. And I cannot pass this opportunity that is meant solely for me. Again, go back to uh, uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. It says, and you and your father's house will perish. Here's our next point. After you realize that this opportunity is for you, always know that there is personal uh, consequences for you not responding. There's personal consequences whenever you and I choose not to respond to what God has called and created you to do to make a difference. It says you and your father's house will perish. So can you imagine if Esther pushed back and said, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do what you say to do. Now, and underscore this, it wasn't, if you were the voice of God speaking to Esther, God used uh, her, her relative to speak into her life to ultimately aspire her to be obedient to the voice of God that presumably could have been speaking to her in the quietness of her heart that she didn't respond to, right? But nevertheless, no matter how God speaks to you, if it's from a brother or sister in Christ, if it's through a sermon, if it's through waking you up in the middle of the night and not allowing you to go to sleep, at the end of the day, when God speaks, if you don't respond to make the difference that he has assigned solely for you, there are personal consequences upon your life and even the lives you love. And then lastly, you find how we can make the difference in verse 14. Again, in Esther chapter 4. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. Here's our final point. And you, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty 
for such a time as this. Think about that. Why do you want royalty? In other words, let's kind of flesh it out in our lives. Why do you want to succeed in life? Why do you want a healthy marriage? Why do you want your children to succeed? You know, why do you want children? Why do you want a, a career? Why do you want a business? You know, why do you want God to, to bless you? Why do you want God to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you do not have room enough to receive? Why do you want to be a king's kid, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? Why do you want royalty? Why do you want God to, if you would, roll out the red carpet for you? Is it merely for you to say, oh, wow, praise the Lord, uh, I have mine, that, that I'm good and my family's good? Or, or is it for a time such as this? In other words, what you, what you have to realize is that, that God will call you to make a difference for a specific time. He will give you a platform. He will give you a voice. He, listen, he will give you social media. He will give you Facebook. He'll give you Twitter. He'll give you Instagram. He'll give you whatever chat that, that exists and whatever exists. He'll give you literally a platform for you to make a difference for this day, for this time, for others. And I think it's so important for you to really embrace this today is that God doesn't, again, take you out of your mess or your mulk and mire. He doesn't, you know, restore your identity. He doesn't deliver you from bondage. He doesn't give you a new family heritage that is found through Christ and Christ alone. He doesn't turn your life up right side up just merely so you can walk in and do everything that maybe you desire to do and have, you know, a fun and peaceful life. Yes, that's the cherry on top. That's the whipped cream, right, on the Sunday. But, but there must be this understanding that God has called me to make a difference and make a difference now. This is the time for you to make a difference and use the platform that God has given you today. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 says this. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive, it says, with Christ. By grace, you've been saved, right? And raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You hear that? So we kind of we, we kind of stay there and nestle there very comfortably because it all has to do with me. It all has to do with benefiting me. And then here's, here's the wonderful blessing that many of us even remember uh, this scripture, uh, commit this portion of scripture to memory. In verse number eight, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no man can boast. Right, so we kind of stay there, Right? So it means, oh, well, you know, God, I don't really have to do much to be saved. You know, it's not about works, right? But look at verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. So you can say, God has done something in me. God has done something in you, right? You are his workmanship. You are the fruits of his labor. You are his finished product. It says, created in Christ Jesus, for what? Good works. He has created you to do good deeds. He has created you 
to make a difference. But then it goes further. It says, which God prepared beforehand. Right, so think about that. There's a good work assigned solely to you that God prepared beforehand. Remember we talked about he formed you in his mother's womb, right? He just sealed you. He's made you. He's called you before you were even born. So beforehand, he has prepared the work for you to do to make a difference. Why? So that we would walk in them. Listen, God just doesn't make you who you are for you to sit and just soak in your blessings. He doesn't call you just to sit there and just, you know, you know, sing kumbaya, if you would, my Lord, and just, you know, take it all in and soak it all in for you and yours. No, he has called you to make a difference so you can walk in it. Now, this word walk is interesting, and I'll end with this final definition. It means to pass one's life, to regulate one's life, to make do. It says the use of the opportunity. Think about that. So how are you passing your life today? Are you passing through your life? Are you regulating your life to make a difference? Are you just passing through life and just thinking about you, feeling warm and fuzzy? Are you making do for everything that God has done for you? Are you or a man or a woman taking every opportunity to walk in what God has called and created you to walk in to make a difference, to turn this world upside down and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in all the world to all nations, tribes, and tongues? Are you just sitting, waiting for an opportunity? The opportunity is yours. Listen, leaving your ashes behind suggests that you have learned how to regulate your life. Your life cannot be all about you. You got to regulate it to make a difference for others. Leaving your ashes behind means this, that you learned how to make do with what you have. You don't need God to give you more for you to start making a difference. You don't need God to say, you know, keep praying, God, can you give me more? Can you open this door? No, the door is open through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has kicked it wide open for you. Leaving your ashes behind is to use every opportunity that God gives you while you still have breath. Don't waste it. Let me end with this. The benefits, again, of the use of wood ash. Wood ash adds tractions, it says, to slippery walkways. In other words, it's able to, because of its salt content, it's literally able to melt ice. It's a, it's a skunk odor remover. <laughs> it's a moth repellent. But here's the best one I want to focus on today. It helps treat wounds. Listen, I believe as we discover uh, the life of Esther, Esther could have lived life wounded. She had many wounds, right? Didn't know, her, didn't know her mother, didn't know her father. Lives in exile, right? Just a distorted family structure, family heritage, which creates so much bondage for a person, right? 
She's a part of a harem, right? She's second, third, fourth, fifth choice, whatever, of the king. Wounded, wounded, walking wounded. But it's not until you, we, embrace our ashes, then you're healed. It's not until you go back to move forward. It's not until you say, okay, God, you, you didn't make a mistake. You did not make a mistake of how you created me, why and how you allowed me to be born in this family. You didn't make a mistake. Listen, when you go back to embrace your ashes, God supernaturally begins to heal your wounds. And, and here's the beautiful thing about when God heals your wounds, that God uses you to heal other people's wounds. It's not until you're healed then you can be an effective wound healer for someone else. Because as someone coined the phrase, hurt people hurt people. It's not until you're healed from your wounds, then you'll be able to heal others from their wounds and you'll find yourself making an eternal difference in people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much because you are a wound healer. God, you heal us. <laughs> you restore us. You make us new. And God, there may be someone under the sound of my voice who is wounded. They wounded they're wounded because they are fatherless, they're motherless. They're wounded because, God, they've experienced so, so many horrific things in their lives. But maybe they're wounded because uh, other people have wounded them because they were also walking wounded. Today, he wants to heal you. And this healing is only available through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Today, would you embrace this finished work? Would you allow him to restore you so that you can be healed and usable to make a difference this is simply how you can do it just simply say Jesus I recognize that I'm a sinner and that you have died for me Jesus I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and wipe them all away by your precious and powerful blood Jesus Come into my life, my heart, to rule and to reign from this day forward. Jesus, I surrender my life completely to you. But then there may be uh, some who are listening that you've already prayed a prayer similar to that, but for whatever reason, you're still wounded. You, you know, Situation after situation, relationship after, after relationship continues to pull off the scabs to the wounds. And maybe your wounds are now infected and, and it's causing you to infect the lives of others. This is a great opportunity for you to, to embrace who you were, who you are, what you have, and, and begin to allow God to make something special out of your life. So can you just pray with me right now? Just say, Father, I now embrace who I was, who I am, what I have, so that you can begin to make me into 
the person that can ultimately make a difference in the lives of others for generations to come. In your powerful name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. We'd like to thank you again for joining us here at Commitment Community Church on Commitment Online. We'd like to also thank you so much for your continued support. And remember, as you give, we're able to give and go as a church. As you give, we're able to give and go as a church. So continue to remember that there's five ways to give. You can give, cash, check. You can drop it off uh, at the church office throughout the week, or you can uh, mail it in to us. Remember, you can go to our website and give there. You can go to the Download the Church app on your mobile devices. And then also, you can give via text at 77977, one word, Commitment Church, okay? Just type in Commitment Church, and you'll be prompted uh, after that. Additionally, please uh, consider following us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, hop in on our weekly Engage group that we're having via online. And you can find that as you follow us and like us on Facebook. And then remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, our podcast on anchor.fm, and our weekly wire. If you would like to receive encouraging videos from myself every Wednesday via the email, uh, please go to loveallnations.org. That is loveallnations.org. And you'll begin to receive weekly encouraging videos uh, on Wednesday. So we love you. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. And feel free to stop by again next week. God bless you. I come against every lie That's whispered and shouted and touted as true I come against every spirit That's not of my father that aims to come
Cedric again, lead pastor of Commitment Church. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today during our worship service. I pray that your experience with us was fruitful, encouraging, transformational for generations to come. I would just like to continue to encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and all, all the above. And feel free to download the app, which is the Anchor.fm app, to follow our podcast as well. Again, this is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church. If you want more information about our church, please visit loveallnations.org. That is loveallnations.org. May God bless you.